You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. If you're a shop owner, you know how important it is to have a reliable place to order your tattoo shop supplies. Since 1996, Kingpin Tattoo Supply has worked to provide the tattoo professional the highest quality supplies at the best possible price. If you need a reliable supply company, check out Kingpin Tattoo Supply at www.kingpintattoosupply.com. When you make an order, be sure to let them know you heard Kingpin mentioned on Sullen Radio. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey everybody, this is Joe Swanson, and I want to welcome my guest uh, to the show today, Tattooer Big Mees out of Ohio, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Couldn't couldn't be any better. Yeah? How's the... Are, are you uh, actually at home now, dealing with some cold weather, or are you uh, traveling? Yeah, man. I just got home from Miami uh, about 24 hours ago, um, so I went from like 85 degrees and sunny to it's about negative 12 here right now, so... Holy it's a shit. rude awakening. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I remember those cold ass Midwest days, man. It's not not fun. How, what keeps you yeah, out there? Uh, man, you know, it's um, I've been here in the same town my whole life. It's a small town, um, Dayton, Ohio. Um, I mean, I just got lifelong friendships here, man, and I just can't see. You know, I love traveling everywhere and seeing all these places, and you know, I, I have friends everywhere now from traveling, but. Uh, here it's just uh you know you have those lifelong friendships man that you just can't you can't grow that overnight and and even if you move somewhere and spend a few years i don't think you can really grow it you know so stuff since i've you know kids i've been friends with since i was you know i can respond as long as i can remember i'm still friends with here you know yeah what was it like growing obviously my family obviously my family yeah absolutely Um, it's nice to be close what was it like growing up out there for you as were you an artistic kid uh, growing up or did that come later Dude, I've been, yeah, I mean, since the beginning, and I, and that maybe has something to do with it being a small town, you know, um, there's not a lot else to do. Uh, I never got into drugs or partying or anything. I was straight for a really long time, and, and that was, so that was never my scene. Um, I just came up, like, just one to, uh, I mean, I, I was BMX kid forever. I, I raced BMX for, oh, I don't know, 12, 13 years, man, and that's that was my thing. And then I started going to hardcore shows, and you know, I spent all my time doing that. Yeah. And, um, who was who was into BM- all of that? The hardcore shows. Yeah. Who was into BMX when What's you up? were into it? Who was into BMX when you were into it? Uh, like the big names. Yeah. Like because I remember I grew up in, was, in doing BMX as well, and you know I had a 1986 Schwinn um, bike. I mean it was tricked out orange, and uh, you know doing all the doing all that stuff back then when Ron Wilkerson and Dave Norrie and Brian Blythers and Matt Hoffman was just like 16 he just i think turned 43 yeah that was definitely before my time um when i was doing it it was like Buddy Hall and, and uh, Dave Mira and and all those guys were like the big like the, the well-known names you know yeah. and as far as i raced i raced i wasn't into the freestyle thing as much until like later on in riding but um for the first like I mean, that was like what my parents used to keep me getting good grades was being able to uh, race. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I, I raced three or four nights a week competitively, you know. Wow. How long did you do that for? Uh, it was like 12 years, man. I mean, I, I turned, I actually never, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I raced a lot of local races for the first, like, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And then I started traveling and 
I actually never, you have to like qualify to reach a main event, which means you have to at least win one of your motos to, to go to the main event every race. And I actually never missed a main event in my entire like racing career. <laughs> um, Damn, man. So, I mean, I was, uh, I picked it up. I was actually, I was pretty good at it, man. And I was always a bigger dude too. So it was like really funny to be out there racing against all these like <laughs> younger, uh, or not younger, be same age, but just smaller dudes. You know what I mean? And I was still out there killing it. So it was, it was pretty rad, man. That's awesome, man. That's, uh, fun fun to think back on those times what to what turned your uh direction away from bmx was it was it art graffiti man i had a uh a really really gnarly uh wreck and um tore my acl mcl meniscus and chipped my patella in my right knee holy shit and um yeah you have like a dominant leg in bmx racing and, and mine was my right leg and you always come out of the gate with that dominant leg and um that was the one that I destroyed. So I got a surgery on it and ended up getting a staph infection. And the staph infection put me in a hospital bed for, it was like six weeks, man. I was in a hospital bed. Like, I mean, it was like life threatening. The staph infection was so bad. Um, and after that, I pretty much had all of my muscles in my right leg had, had, uh, died. I mean, it was like atrophy of things, what they called it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had like no range of motion in my right leg. And I actually spent like a lot of my senior year of high school in a wheelchair and then on a cane and all that. So once I got through all that, man, it just, I got back on the track and stuff, but I just didn't have the power that I once had. Mm -hmm. So it was really like, I mean, it was hard to continue on after, after losing that, you know? Yeah, that can be, I mean, your, your main kind of that main strength coming out of that leg is, is what is right. now screwed, you know? So it makes sense. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last race you did? What was the, that was kind of like that. And where you said, you know what, man, I just can't, I don't have the same, same skills that I used to because of this injury. What, what year was that? Do you think? Right. Honestly, I don't, I don't think I ever got back in and did another race. I mean, I, I got out of that and started going to the track and, mm -hmm. and, and I just didn't have it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I sat for so long and dude, I put on a lot of weight when I was sitting for, months and months and months you know what i mean just eating whatever i wanted and, and watching tv you know what i mean and yeah. uh i put on a lot of weight and then once i got out of that there was just there's no really coming back i'd say that was probably like 2002 mm -hmm. 2003 maybe yeah i mean i was only like 2021 20, you know yeah what uh what what got you into tattooing man how did that connection happen for you um you know man my my story with tattooing is pretty crazy i i uh I was, um, I mean, I, I had started drawing from, I mean, I was drawing specifically lettering from being a little kid. It's really weird. My parents have all these, I have great parents, man. And I have these, uh, they have a bunch of my drawings saved on the backs of my homework and stuff. And it was always lettering. I never really drew any pictures. I always just wrote fancy. Like I used to write the word rat, like just tons of different ways, you know what I mean? All these different styles and shit. And, uh, and then, um, that, transpired into when i was in high school i started going to hardcore shows i was the kid in town that drew all the flyers for all the hardcore shows so i did all the lettering for all that i can remember sitting in all my like uh study hall classes you know and like doing the flyers for the show coming up next weekend you know what i mean yeah. and doing lettering and, and um what were you being influenced I, uh, back then like what was pushing you to do these different styles or how were they just things you were coming up with or were were there any magazines or some some influence that was pushing that yeah, man. I, you know, dude, I have no idea whatsoever what got me into it. I, I mean, I liked old signs and everything from mm -hmm. when I was a little kid. And, um, I can remember there's still signs in my town that my parents would drive by 
and I would like be excited to see them every time when I was a kid. I, dude, I have no idea what the why it was so cool to me, but it was. And um, but yeah, in graffiti, man, graffiti was obviously a huge part of it. I started painting when I was probably like 13, 14 years old, and I was sneaking out of my parents' windows and. I'd like me and my friends would meet up and we'd go ride and we'd paint a bunch of shit and go to the hardcore show. You know what I mean? And then come back yeah. home before my parents ever even knew I was gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> all, all in the cloak of darkness. Right. That's awesome, man. But so, I mean, I got, dude, I got an extremely, I, I got an extremely late start in tattooing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even pick up a machine until five, until uh, five, six years ago now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Was it at a, so there's a really those, long period in there. Yeah. What were you doing during that time? You know, where you were from the time you kind of left that, you know, BMX, I know you said you were into music and, and stuff like that. Was that kind of consuming your life or what was yeah. going on? Um, you know, man, I, I, uh, it, it, this probably make my parents sound bad, but when I was in school, man, I tried to go to, I was going to go to like a, a career tech school, like just like, and it wasn't like, a lesser form of, of high school, but it was just like an alternative to where you could start working on a career, you know? Right. And, um, I wanted to go for, um, art and my parents actually, you know, I mean, do their old timers, you know, they grew up where you had to work. My grandpa was a coal miner and my dad was a machinist, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, they told me I couldn't go for art. I had to go for, you know, something that would be a real job, you know, not anything against them. They just didn't know any better, you know? And they, so I went for auto engine rebuilding because, I mean, I, I did have a fascination with old cars always, and I did that, and then I really just pursued doing a, a, a you know, having a real job, you know. Mm-hmm. At this point in my life, tattooing still was not even uh, not even a thought, you know. Where did you think you were going? Man, I had no clue, dude. I I was playing in bands. I had a really, like, successful local band from the time I was probably 16 to like 21, 22 and every big band that came to town, we played and we played like right before then. And we had a huge turnout. You know what I mean? Like I honestly, in my mind thought I was going to be in this like famous, like, like hardcore band, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. in the back of my mind, that's what it always was, you know? And, uh, but I mean, I just worked just bullshit, you know, factory jobs, man. I mean, that's, that's what I did, you know? Yeah. What turned you on to tattooing then? you know, a handful of years ago when, what changed that course? That's really funny, man. I, um, I, I played in that band I was speaking of and then I, and I quit and I went to work, um, at Lowe's, like, which is a home improvement mm-hmm. of, you know, home improvement stores. And I, dude, I worked that job for years and I probably worked there five or six years. And I, um, I got the idea that, um, I just, I just hated it, man. I, everyone, I was miserable every day going to work, man. And everyone around me knew it. And I, and I wish I could kind of go back and like apologize to the people I worked with for being an asshole. I just wasn't, it just never felt right to me, you know? But anyways, the band that I was in, they, in the meantime of me, our band being broken up, they had started another band and that band was actually being pretty successful. They were touring with, with like major label bands and, um, something went down with their singer, which is what I did in our band. They called me when I was still working at Lowe's and they said, yo dude, um, we want you to come be our singer and we're going on tour in like two weeks and we want you to hit the road with us. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of like took me, I was done with the band thing. It took me right back into it. I mean, I jumped in the band with the guys and we did months and months and months of touring and playing shows and with some pretty big bands, you know? And I thought, 
that was going to be my route, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, um, not to make it go on forever, but I ended up, that ended up not working out. You know, I quit the band cause I just didn't see it going anywhere. Went back to working at Lowe's and I was working third shift and I had this guy who I actually really did not get along with. He, um, I would draw every day in the break room. I had this notebook and I would draw in it every single day. And at this point, I'm probably like 25, 26 maybe. Uh-huh. And I would draw, but I'd only drew lettering. I did script every single day. Everyone would come in the break room. They're like, oh man, draw my name, draw my name. You know, so I'm doing all the script every day. And uh, this guy comes back here who I didn't like. And he's like, he's like, man, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, man, if I was you, I would like go tattoo or something. And then it was like, I was like, you know, it was like a little light bulb going off in my head. I was like, holy shit, man, that's a fucking good idea. You know what I mean? It was never a thought before that. Were you like getting, were you getting tattooed at this point or oh, what yeah, was man, your experience getting with getting tattooed? 16. Say that yeah, again. Yeah, man, I started getting tattooed at 16 years old. Um, so, I mean, I had already had full sleeves, my hands, my throat. I had a couple face tattoos at this point. I mean, I really honestly wasn't planning too well for a future, <laughs> future as not being a tattooer you were gonna be a fucking um, rock star dude come on you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that was it was gonna it was gonna happen for sure you know? yeah <laughs> so when yes. you so you're at lowe's and this dude comes up to you and says hey dude you should be a ta- fucking tattooer you're wasting your talent you could you can go do this so then it light bulb comes on and what actions do you take like what do you go and do like to get into that profession then this thing that you've been seeing you've kind of been around the culture having, you know, man, you get your throat tatted and get your throat, you know, the hands done and those things elevate that, you know, your exposure. So what do you do at that point when, yeah, you, yeah. when the light bulb goes off? Well, man, I, um, I have, I mean, I had a, a bunch of friends who were tattooers at this point. I mean, mm all my friends were tattooers and they were all making really good money, money like I'd never even seen before, you know? And I'm like, and I'm making like next to nothing in my job. And, and, you know, and I just went and, you know, started talking to him and my friend, like, like who was already a tattooer, like I went over to his house real late one night and he like put this little pencil in the tattoo machine and we like sat and ran it and drew with it, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, this is cool. You know? And, uh, I just, you know, approached, uh, uh, you know, I went to the best shop in town, you know, cause I had friends there and I'd been getting tattooed there. And I was just like, look, man, I want to, I want to learn how to tattoo, you know? And, um, I was lucky enough that, that they, they took me in, you know? Yeah. Did they take you in knowing that you liked lettering or you specialized in that? Or were you, was your intention to specialize in that from the beginning? Yeah, man. Um, I, I mean, from day one, that was, that was it for me. You know I mean? When I went in there and showed them my portfolio, it was a portfolio full of just lettering drawings, you know? Um, it was weird. I don't know why, but I just like, it was like when I thought about tattooing, I thought I could never do that because I don't draw, I don't draw a lot of stuff, you know? But then there was a point where I went, but man, everyone gets lettering tattoos and like, I've been painting signs and pinstriping hot rods for years at this point, you know, on the side for fun. And I was like, shit, man, like I could bring and do lettering tattoos as elaborate as these guys are doing portraits and then make my own whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was really it. I mean, from day one, I, that was what I knew I I wanted to do. (laughs) That's pretty incredible that, 
you know, in this day and age that uh, an artist can do that. You know, a person can now come into tattooing with an idea of being a specialty artist where, I mean, that's different, you know, very, very different than even a short few years ago. But when I started 18 years ago, it was, you had to do everything. You know, you hear guys say that about 90s tattooers, guys that came up in the 90s. They, they had to know how to do everything. And uh, it's cool that, I think it's cool, that a person now, whatever kind of artistic thing that they want to pursue or st- artistic style, they can come right into tattooing and do that. And, and elevate it to the level like you've elevated it to with your lettering, which is amazing, man. It does have that cool old sign feel to it. Um, it's got, but it also has that, that, you know, gangster lettering feel to it too. So I think you've hit something really cool with, with your style of lettering. And I, I do think it's unique and it's, it's fun to look at for sure. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I, um, like, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was weird. It was like, I knew like instantly what I, what I was after. And I knew that I looked around at all the tattooing that was going on. I started really paying attention to like the West coast guys. Cause obviously that's the lettering. Mm-hmm. That's like where, where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Right. And I thought, well, I don't want to recreate what these guys are already doing because then I'll just be another guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got to figure out a way to make it different from what they're doing. So I thought, well, West coast has their style, which is like thin lines, real fine line stuff. I thought, well, I'm going to make an East coast style which, I mean, we're still considered Midwest, but I was like, I'm going to make an East Coast style, and I'm going to make it just, I'm going to use eight rounds, I'm going to use 14-round liners, and I'm going to make it as black as I can possibly make it. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what those guys are doing. Mm -hmm. I just really didn't want to blend in, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's awesome that you were able to, you know, really think about it and tackle it from the perspective of, hey, I want to create something that's unique, and where do you think that that idea of being mindful in that way comes from? Or where does that trait in you come from of of thinking those things out? Is that something you did all along or? Man, I learned a lot from my my um my my uh, mentor that I learned to tattoo from. He was a uh he has been um he's just a super creative person, man. I mean he's been tattooing for twenty five years plus and he he um in his time you know when he was really out there working shows and stuff i mean he was in every single magazine he, and, and he had his own thing you know and when i worked my very first show with him the richmond virginia convention i had like 90 percent of the stuff in my portfolio was lettering but obviously just to survive as a, as a walk-in tattoo at home i had to do some other stuff so i had a few other little things in there i worked this show and my boss, and when I get done, I did pretty much 100% of the tattoos I did were lettering tattoos, and I killed it. I mean, I crushed everybody around me as far as, like, how much work I was getting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the end of the show, I told my boss, I was like, I was like, man, I just, I, I really just enjoy this, I, you know, and I was like, I don't even know why I brought all these colors and stuff. And he's like, he's like, man, if you want to do lettering, throw those fucking colors in the trash, bro. He's like, just get rid of it. You know, he's like, do what you do, you know? And, and that's when it really, I already knew that's what I wanted to do, but I thought, I didn't know in my mind if it was 100% possible yet at this Mm -hmm. point, you know, but that was what really sold it to me. That was when I legitimately did give my colors away and and just like, all right, this is what I'm doing. 
you dove you know. in you dove in head first at that point yeah i mean i jumped right in man <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting that you chose one of the most in my opinion as a as a tattooer one of the most difficult styles to to do i mean lettering is precise it's um it has to be done to the highest level or you're going to see those and you know those little wobbles in the line and things like that um when was the last time you really were chat i mean not that you're not challenged with what you're doing each day but do you remember a time or a or a client that was just a, an incredible challenge and what was that and how did you kind of overcome that cuz we i think as tattooers we know that we all deal with those things whether it's skin or whether it's um you know they haven't prepared you know hopefully we've prepared as artists but is there a time that you were that you can recall that you most recently that you were challenged by this craft yeah um <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I'm going to take it right back to that same uh, Richmond show that I worked at. It was like five years ago or something. I know it's not most recent, but this was still to this day the hardest tattoo and most stressful like situation I ever had. And it was like I, I hadn't been tattooing that long. I mean, I worked my first show like a year into tattooing. And um, and uh, this dude comes up, and, and he's another tattooer. He wants me to do lettering under his jawline, you know. <laughs> And I had never even like seen how someone sets someone to do this or anything, you know, but like I was determined to make it happen, you know? So I like set this dude up in some chairs and tilt his head back. And I'm like trying to tattoo upside down and like the ink's running back up the tube, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, dude, I mean, I think this tattoo took me two hours to do some little lettering out of this dude's chin. I, I hope, I hope <laughs> the dude's still happy with it today, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, um, it was, dude, that was a rude, that was a rough time, man. Yeah, and, you know, it was just, just I had to get through it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. When do you think you hit your stride with doing conventions and and really being comfortable in that environment? Because it is, a, uh, I've worked conventions and it it can be a very chaotic environment that you that you're working in. When do you think you you became comfortable doing that? Well, man, um, the shop that I started out at is called Truth and Triumph Tattoo in Dayton, and. Uh, it is a absolutely huge shop. And when I say huge, I mean 22 tattooers under a roof of a building. Um, I'm talking like so close to each other that you're sharing benches and shit, man. So I was kind of groomed from the get go, like to work in that kind of environment where you're like tripping over shit. You're like sweating your ass off because there's so many people on top of you, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's really just been that way for me since the beginning. So when I, when I went to work in shows, I mean, honestly, it, and it's not that my shop was bad. It, it was fan. It was great. Man. I loved it, but it was, uh, it was almost easier for me, man. Like, I feel like I had more room, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Wow. What's yeah. been your favorite, what's been your favorite shows that you've done? Any stick out? My favorite show? Yeah. Um, Lord, man, I don't know. There's so many. Um, dude, I do an astronomical number of con conventions a year. Most of the time when I tell people how many shows I've done, they, they're just like, there's no way. Um, for the past three years, well, for the past two years for sure, I've done four, over 45 shows a year each. And the year before that, I did about 30 to 35 shows. Um, it's, I mean, it's bonkers. Um, that is bonkers, man. What? Okay. So let's just, <laughs> let's switch this up. I I'm curious to know about the shows then, because what makes, how do you choose your shows and what makes, 
what makes you want to go back to these shows that, that, that are, there's so many out there, man. The options are endless with conventions that people can do. What keeps you coming back to those particular shows? Um, man, you know, I came from, like I, like I said before, I came from playing in bands. And when I sat down to think about my tattooing career, I thought, well, um, tattooing and, and bands, I feel like it's a lot of the same kind of way they operate. You know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of the same people, a lot of the same situations, blah, blah. And I thought, well, when you're a band and you want to be well-known, you have to tour and you have to tour nonstop and you have to, you have to be in people's faces all the time. So when I was deciding to work shows, I thought I'm going to work every fucking show that I can get my hands on every single one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was really the thought process behind that, man. I was like, I mean, I came out of the gate, like my first year, like I said, I worked like 30 to 35 shows my first year of working conventions, you know, and most people are like, that is not even, that's like <laughs> most of the older tattooers I talk to, they're going, Boy, that is awful. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, but it's really all I know. I've never really stayed home and tattooed. I've, I mean, my whole career has been working tattoo conventions, man. I've, I don't even know what it's like to work in the shop day to day. I have no idea. <laughs> what's that what's so that's where you're comfortable then so it's really not a matter of how do you get comfortable in this chaotic environment that's what you're that's what you're comfortable in tattooing is that environment because that's what you're used to right i mean that's what um i mean dude i can i can pack my tattoo shit and, and set up my my station at a show in like five minutes you know what i mean it's like right. it's nothing everything that i do is built around traveling you know what i mean so mm. it's like so easy to set up, so easy to tear down. You know, I've got it down to a science, man. It's pretty, pretty easy at this point. What's your, what's your basic setup these days? I know you're loyal to the coil. So that five minute setup, what, uh, what's in, what's involved with that, with machines and shit? Who are you running? Yeah. Um, man, I use, I've always, I've been using Keith B, uh, Keith B's machine since I started, man. I mean, he's always been really good to me and I use those. And I recently I picked up, a, um, uh, I was working in Australia with Norm and Norm, come over with one of his line and was like he's like dude i know what you need and i'm like yeah he's like try this and i tried it and i can't i can't lie man it's probably <laughs> one of the best liners i've ever used in my career i mean it was fuck i mean i was like holy shit man and not to put like keith down or seth because i have seth machines too which mm -hmm. i love but it was just it just he was right it was like a dead fit man i was like wow you know and everything was butter you know what i mean and i was yeah. like so this just happened like a few couple months ago. You know, I have not not used it on every single tattoo that I've done now. But um, I, I always use coil swine with man. But I recently bought a Dan Cuban uh, shader, which mm -hmm. is a rotary. Yep. And um, pretty into it, man. Can't Did lie. I've been trying to learn that like stipple shading shit too, which is real good with those things. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's fun shit. Dan Cuban's been on my other podcast twice. He's he's an innovator, yeah. man. I love I like yeah. what he's doing with with rotaries. I mean, he came up that sidewinder, I think is, as he was explaining it to me, if I can recall, it's a new type of rotary. It's not even, you know, it's not the same as everybody's been doing. He, he, he wrapped his head around something and, and put it together. And man, I've heard nothing but good things about that guy's machines. And, you know, everybody's talking, talking good about them. So uh, it's, it's pretty right. cool. I, and I, I don't have any other, yeah, I don't have any other like, like rotary machines to really compare it to, but, um, a couple of my close friends who I consider, you know, awesome tattooers, um, were using them. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to order one. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I did, I just, just ordered one out of good faith to try it. And 
and then, man, I gotta say, I really do love it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Talking about those guys that you look up to as tattooers and, and, um, what, what do you think makes a good tattooer these days? Um, man, you know, I, I really do believe in the idea of specializing and stuff. And, and, you know, that's what I did. The further that I am getting into tattooing, and it's like something you touched on, you know, where as far as like older guys, you know, you had to learn how to do everything. Um, you know, the older I'm getting, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that most of the tattooers that I really like what they're doing, it's, they do a little of everything, you know? And, um, I, I, I respect the hell out of that, man. Um, I mean, in, in my eyes, a good tattooer does a tattoo that is going to hold up as a tattoo. You know, I, it's always a controversial subject, but I, I do not believe in, in these, these color portrait tattoos that, that some people have been doing that are not going to stay in there. And it's only for a picture and only for Instagram. You know, I don't care how impressive it looks that moment. I don't, I don't, I don't even care. You know, I'll flip right over it and not even look at it twice. Yeah. Well, I had a conversation, um, the other day about this very thing and thinking of it in the terms of, all right, let's look at tattooing. This is now an art form. So, um, if the artist talking with the collector, who's also the canvas expresses to them, say, Hey, look, this is a, this is kind of a controversial way of tattooing. It's going to look super dope on your skin in five years though. It's not going to look the same. And is it the artist's responsibility to one, not do that tattoo, or at least admonish the client collector that this thing is not going to look the same in five years. It's not going to have the longevity of a different style, perhaps. And, you know, where, where does the ethics lie in that, you know? Um, like, because I know as a tattooer, this is on a very small scale, and, and these are the things that you know, some street shop tattooers deal with, you want somebody that wants some lettering upside down. Well, shit, man, you might deal with this too. Or something, you know, something placed a, a way that typically with, with history as a tell, it's not done that way, but they're going to go get down the street and get it done anyways. So do you tell them, hey, this is, this is what I do. I say, hey, look, this is not typically done. If you want to do it, let's do it. Um, these are the reasons why you know, you try to educate them, I guess, at least, but it's a tricky, it's a tricky slope, man. It's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope, I think. So, and times are changing, man. Tattooing is so dynamic right now. It's like, you can't even keep a hold on, on what's going on. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. Here's what I do. Um, I would never do a tattoo that under any circumstance that I wouldn't want people to see and, and for me to like stand behind it, you know, is, is however that sounds. I, if someone comes to me and they want, you know, like, first of all, I mean, everything I do is booked through appointments. I've been fortunate enough that I have been able to grow a clientele that, that I can stay insanely busy off of. So, mm-hmm. um, that would be figured out beforehand before the appointments even booked. So it's been a long time since I've come across that, like the upside down wrist tattoo thing or whatever it is. Um, I just personally, and this has changed over time, obviously I've done tattoos like that, but mm-hmm. um, I, I just wouldn't do it. I mean, if it's not something that I would be proud and want to show everyone and, and want them to see in 10 years, um, I just would, would politely and respectfully um, turn the tattoo down. 
Yeah. What would be your advice to a, a street shop tattooer, a guy that's in that position that hasn't built up that clientele? What do you think was your key or key advice you could give somebody in building up a clientele like that, where they can be a little more picky and choosy and, and specialize? Yeah, um, man, you know, I always had, because, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have a portfolio full of the cool tattoos that I wanted, that I, that I've done, you know, I only had ideas of what I wanted to do. So, um, my boss was really good at teaching us how to sell what we want to do. I mean, really good. So I rarely ever did not get to do it the way I wanted to do it. I mean, that sounds bad in a way, but like, most of the time I was, I was good enough at talking people into it and I would just draw it as good as I could and as detailed and really try to give them a visual. Cause really it's not that they don't want what you're trying to sell them. It's just that they don't know what you're thinking. You know what I mean? So I really had to go the extra mile to like show them and I really had to get them excited about it. I mean, yeah. from what I learned, that was like the main thing, get them excited about it and then they're down. You know what yeah. I mean? Tell, tell them what they need, not what they want. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That was that, I mean, was, that the, was really it. That was the shit that my mentor told me when I was coming up. You know, if you want to do something with a tattoo and you think it's going to work better, and and you, you want to convince that client, because I came up with that same, um, that same hustle of you got to sell yourself. You got to sell this stuff. And he said, "Man, you got to right. tell them what they what they need, not what they want." So right, and get them and, and get them excited. How how. It's all about in how confidently you say it. You know what I mean? You got to really, because you got to be confident in yourself with, with what you're doing as well. You can't be like kind of on the back end going, oh man, I hope I can make this sweet. You know, you have to know that you can make it sweet and you have to like tell them with confidence and let them feel safe that you're going to make it awesome. You know yeah. I mean? And you have to be able to back that talk up. You have to have the right. the skills, you know, and there's no reason in today's age with seminars online and books and all the information out there that you shouldn't kill if you want to become good at what you do there's no reason you can't kill it um right so I mean, dude, the kids are like kids are amazing like three months into tattooing it's like, and yeah. and i noticed that already only be in tattooing five years so i can't imagine what someone who's been tattooing for 20 years is like seeing these young kids like holy shit you know they're, they're 19 years old and they're doing like color realism that's like fucking retarded looking you know what i mean it's like whether you like it or not i mean you can look at it as a as a piece of art and be like holy shit man yeah. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and this kid's been tattooing for how long you know what i mean right exactly it's mind-blowing man <laughs> and you know yeah. where do you think it's going where do you think it's going man this this big snowball that's tattooing oh lord i have no idea I'm kind of scared of that um I mean, people are just going to keep trying to take it further and further. Dude, I have, you know what, man? It's something that I don't really think enough of. I, I have a vision of, of what I want to do. You know, I don't think I'm trying to recreate the wheel at this point. I think I just want to become a better tattooer mm-hmm. um, and do what I'm already doing, but do it way better. You know, slow myself down and make it better. But as far as the big picture of tattooing, I mean, I think as like time shows that everything just kind of keeps going more and more and more extreme, you know? So I think a lot of these like big black work is going to be like really making it like a big appearance, you know? Like, I mean, there's a few guys doing it crazy now, but what they're doing like, you know, a half of a body in black with like some designs in it, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, I think people are just going to keep going, you know, more and more extreme, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I do. I do think <laughs> I agree with you. I think that as well. And it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, even back when, I mean, it goes through these cycles, like you said, and even in the nineties when it went through that big, you know, kind of resurgence and 
there were lines out the door and and neo traditional was kind of making a making a break and San Francisco scene was you know off the charts with guys trying to trying to push the limits you know so it's it's fun to see it now they're kind of in the same way it's just more it's just bigger you know there's more people doing it bigger. so you know you're right. going to have more guys killing it and which is good it pushes everybody i think you know it's right yeah so no, it definitely does, man. I mean, there's there's kids doing lettering now that that you know I've never heard of, and they'll like tag me in something, and I look, and I'm like, holy shit, you know what I mean? And I'm like, fuck, man, like this kid's taking like something that I was trying to do and like fucking killing it, you know? And I'm mm. like, shit, and then it makes me feel like, all right, motherfucker, you got to get your shit together, you know what I mean? So I yeah. mean, it's good. It keeps you on your toes. It's definitely there's no like point where you get to just like hang out you know what i mean <laughs> yeah absolutely man um you're not hanging out much man you're 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 killing it tattooing you're also um as we talked and kind of prepared for this podcast you told me that you've been um working out and lost a shit ton of weight man talk me talk me through that process and where that what switched in your head to get you moving in that direction yeah man this is um you know when you when you brought up you know like something that you, you know, you said to me, you're like, well, what's something, you know, would you really want to talk about? And, um, you know, as big as, as tattooing is in my life, um, my like fitness and stuff has become equally as big to me in my life, which is, I don't know if it's as good because, you know, it doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't, you know, move my career any further, but, um, it, I mean, it's just, it's just, I wake up every day and I, and I just cannot wait to go train. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a sickness, I think. Um, but it started for me, um, maybe a little over three years ago, man, I was, I was in a long-term relationship. Um, things ended with that. And, and when it ended, I just kind of was like looking at myself, like, dude, you're unhappy. You know what I mean? Like, and this is the same time that I was starting tattooing too, you know? I mean, I was only like a little ways into tattooing. Um, and I was just totally unhappy, man. And I looked at myself in a, in a mirror, you know, like a good long look. And I was like, fuck, dude, what happened to you? You know what I mean? And it was the two years that I'd been, three years I'd been tattooing, whatever it was, and sitting on my ass, you know? And I mm -hmm. was like, fuck, man, you got to get your shit together. So when that happened, I was living with the girl at the time, and, and, and I had to move out, obviously. So I was actually on my way to a convention with uh, my good buddy Kyle Cotterman, um, the paradise gathering up in massachusetts and i was just going with him to get tattooed and hopefully meet bj betts that was like a huge thing for me and um so i i like called my i was like i gotta get out of my environment i gotta remove myself from from what i know because i cannot drive by a fucking mcdonald's without going in it getting some food you know what i mean like it was a physical sickness man and um so I called my friend austin spencer who owns studio 21 tattoo in las vegas he started the tattoo fight club and this was well before that had started, but I, I call him and I'm like, dude, I want to move, man. And, and he's like, dude, you're more than welcome. Just let me know when you want to be here, you know? So I made these plans to move with my number one goal being, I'm going to lose some fucking weight, man. I'm going to get my shit together. You know, I, I just wanted to, to do that. And, um, I did, man. I mean, I only waited like two weeks and I was on an airplane flying out to Las Vegas. I moved out there with only a, a like a single speed bicycle and, I was like, man, when the time I get off this fucking airplane, it's it's go time. I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to ride this bicycle everywhere I go. That's it. I mean, I'm going to eat, breathe, and sleep this shit. You know what I mean? And um, I did. <laughs> I mean, I it's still, I mean, it's been three years, whatever, you know, 
years and change, and I and I have not gone more than five days without hitting a gym. Period. Holy you shit. know, no matter where I've been. Um. So now I, I, that I lost it. like the first hundred. I lost like the first hundred pounds, man, in like um the first like six months. You know, so I've lost one hundred and thirty-five pounds total. Um, and you know, I lost the first hundred just by like eating better and moving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it came off quick. Cause I was, I was 393 pounds, man. I was in a size 50 wasted, uh, Dickies pants. Damn. You know, um, and you're like, I'm, uh, I'm two, you're like 255, somewhere around there, 260. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and I, and my, I never checked my, my body fat percentage in the beginning either. Um, which I wish I would have, because honestly, that number probably would be even more impressive because I mean, I dude, I had no muscle mass whatsoever. You know what I mean? I was a slob dude. And so, you know, I have gone, grown leaps and bounds since then, as far as dropping weight and put building more muscle mass, like I'm still chubby and I'm still, I'm not like some big, huge fucking Hulk looking dude, but the amount that I, of like mass I've put on and weight I've dropped is, is, I mean, it's astronomical, man, and, I, and it's just—it's really the best thing that I've ever done yeah. for myself. Well, take me through the basic—the basic regimen. What do you, what do you started out riding the bike? I'm sure that the the things that you're doing over the last three years have changed. But what's what's the basic regimen today? If you're going to go and get a good yeah, workout um, in, yeah, yeah, I've got a uh, a buddy who's a who's who's at a pro level bodybuilder now, and he he pretty much writes out my my. Um, diets for me and and he um and coaches me through everything you know um i really like i really enjoy getting up in the morning and, and i'll do like fasted cardio so i'll wake up i'll make me some um i'll make me some oatmeal put it in the container and i and i i drink my egg whites not because it's like any better for you but just because it's easier to get it down it's quicker i don't have to sit here and cook eggs at 7 30 in the morning you know mm-hmm. um so i get up make my oatmeal you know put the stuff in a cooler take it to the gym. I'll do like a half an hour or 45 minutes of like cardio. And then I'll go in the back and I'll, and I'll eat my food and stuff. And, um, and then I'll go out and train, you know, like generally a different body part, um, every day of the week, or maybe I'll do like two, you know, depending on what it is. But, um, I generally hit the gym seven days a week, man. I don't, I don't rarely ever even take a day off, which I know they're good for you, but I just like it so much. I, I just don't want to take a day off. Yeah, you know you, what I mean. <laughs> you would probably see much greater gains if you did give your body that rest. You give it a solid rest, right. And you get back at it. That's you know that's when you really will hit past, get past those plateaus and shit like that. Um, right. Yeah. Definitely. How big is eating for you as far as how much it makes a difference in in how you're feeling and and how the workouts are going? Um, I mean, it's dude. It's it's. I mean, eating is is well over half, maybe 70%, maybe probably even more than that mm-hmm. of what your progress is, man. And, and, and eating has always been a struggle for me, man, mainly because of, it's like the training for me, piece of cake, man. I go every, I go almost every day. I don't train insanely hard every day. So I still think I get enough rest. Mm-hmm. Um, cause some days I just go on and do cardio, but the, the eating thing is hard for me because I travel so much, man. And, um, you know, dude, I've, I've gotten off airplanes, ride to the, in a cab to the hotel, get my room, get in a cab, ride it to a grocery store, get all my foods, take it back. You know what I mean? That's my first, that's what I do at every single show that I go to. I, as soon as I get off a plane, 
I'm, I'm getting my foods ready because I know that if I'm not prepared for the weekend, if I don't have those foods available, I'm going to fail. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, because you have nothing around you, but bullshit to eat. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're prepping every, you're, all your meals are prepared, um, prepared and, and all their pre thought out before you go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I have a diet, um, like a, 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 you know, a meal plan that I eat at home. When I say diet, it's not like an actual diet that I'm on, but right. it's like, you know, just what I choose to eat on a daily basis. But right. I have a diet that I eat when I'm home, which is more of like good, like more everything, all the proteins and everything that I eat are, are from cooked foods and everything. Um, when I hit the road, it's harder to do that. You know, generally you're in a hotel, you don't have a microwave or you don't have a refrigerator or vice versa, you know, mm -hmm. or you'll have one without the other. And, um, I've just found insanely like, like weird ways to make it work. You know I mean? Whether it's getting ice from the ice thing and, and, you know, if we don't have a fridge and filling up, you know, a bucket full and putting my egg whites and shit in there. Um, I cook my oatmeal with a coffee pot. You know what I mean? Like every morning I go in, I heat, you know, I boil the water, dump it in, stir it up. It cooks the oatmeal, like the one minute oatmeal. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. We've even went as far as like heating our chicken and shit like that with, uh, with like an iron and shit over, uh, over foil. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's so I mean, we make weird. it happen, dude. It's, it's, it's extreme. It is. And, and I can tell you some people who are reading this have walked by me at a show, seen me in my booth eating out of fucking can of tuna and, and having a little cup of brown rice, you know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. said something to me about it, like, Oh, that's awful. You know what I mean? And it is terrible, but I don't know. It's in one way it's, you're making yourself suffer, but in another way, man, there's nothing that I've ever done in this world that's made me feel as good as what I'm um, getting myself into shape has made me feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. What's your vice, man? What's the, what's the food vice? Is it chocolate? Is it sweets? It's, is it it's candy? Candy. It's fucking candy. Tell man. me the, it's candy, candy and chick it's jelly beans. I'm like my favorite thing in the world. And it's people are always blown away. They're like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, I like the really, really shitty off brand jelly beans, you know, <laughs> which are probably the worst candy that you could possibly eat. Yeah, out where I'm at, and, we have um, the jelly. Remind me not to take you. If you ever visit me out here in, in near Lodi, remind me not to take you to the Jelly Belly factory. Um, right. <laughs> but I'll, we'll go to the gym yeah. instead. Yeah, that would be a terrible move. Um, I like those. And as far as foods go, man, like chicken wings, like hot wings. Fuck, man. That's like my favorite thing in the world. You know what I mean? God, that sucks that that's also, probably what? at every, you know, at most every hotel bar and every shitty place that's around. Those are so easy to be. They're so accessible uh, to you, man. Fuck. Yeah. And every single night that you get out of a show, all your fucking friends who are like 135 pounds soaking wet and eat whatever the fuck they want, they all rally up and they're like, yeah, let's go here and eat. And we show up and it's just bar food. And I'm having a fucking mental meltdown. And all of my friends and anyone who's going to read this that's close to me are going to be like, huh, they're going to have a story in their head about it. Because I have a fucking mental meltdown because I'm in this situation. It's late as fuck. I'm starving. And there's nothing else to eat. And then I'm just like, fucking YOLO. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And I'll just fucking, I'm like, if I'm off the wagon, I'm, I'm just going for it. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. When, <laughs> when, was, uh, when was the last time that happened? And what was the meal? Um... Well, I, I had a I had a scheduled cheat meal the other night when I was in Miami. I hung out with my friend um, Darren from the that Miami Inc. show, mm -hmm. and he took me out, and we did. It was a bunch of fresh fish stuff, but it was like sushi and, and a bunch of shit that ain't real good for you, you know. But yeah, but, um, it was planned, so I didn't feel too hateful about it, you know. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I don't eat perfect. Obviously, if I ate perfect, I would be even way further along than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't claim that I eat perfect by any any means, but um, I don't know. It's slow and steady, man. I'm, I'm making making progress, and, and the main thing is, is I, I feel great. Um, you know, I just when I was in Miami. Miami's one of the, the Miami Tattoo Convention was one of the first conventions I ever worked uh, on my own, like well, within the first five. And um, it was it was once I'd moved to Vegas, I went with those guys. And um, there's this little running trail that's not too far out of the convention I found. And every year that I've gone back, because they have that show two times a year, and I've done it two times a year for the last three years. And um, every time I've gone back, I run that trail and the, and see how much further I can make it. Um, well, this I was just there this past weekend, and I ran um, just about five miles on that trail, and um, I ran the whole thing until it was done. And uh, the t- all the times before that, I couldn't even make it halfway. So this time was like insanely successful for me, man. I was I don't know what happened. I just hit a stride, and I could I feel like I could have just kept running. You know what I mean? Like could have kept going if the trail was longer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I've hit that once in my life. <laughs> I've hit that runner's yeah. high once in my life. It was like towards the very end when I was uh, in the CHP Academy, the California Highway Patrol um, Academy. Yeah. And uh, one time, I've, I, I know what people are talking about, about a runner's high, and but I've only ever hit it one time, and I don't like running most of the time. Um, I'd rather get, in, get into the gym and do some sort of circuit training or something like that. Right. But <clears throat> how, how, I mean, damn, that's awesome, dude. And, it, and it, it's got to push you to just keep going and going, you know? It really does. You know, dude, I still weigh 265 pounds roughly, you know, and, and that fluctuates to 70 and then back. And then, you know what I mean? But so I'm a big dude and I've had multiple knee surgeries. I mean, I've had, I've had six major knee operations, you know? So running is really the last thing in the world that I should be doing. And my body type is like so far away from being a runner's body type. You know what I mean? Right. But it's such a good way to, really push yourself and really see what kind of progress you're making. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, there's just no, there's no like variations to it. You know, it's either you could fucking run it or you can't, you know what I mean? And right. I, and, and when you do run it, you're like, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did, did you find you had those same, the same kind of like successes like that in, in fitness did you have those or do any stick out in your mind with tattooing? Like you just like, damn, I killed that shit. <laughs> man, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm a, I, I get, I believe that I'm a pretty humble person, man. I don't, I don't like pride myself on my successes a ton because I, I you know, I see a lot of people that wear the self-made shit and, and I don't, I don't, I personally don't believe in that. You know, I think that I would never be where what I've gotten done I would never be where I am and never have gotten done what I've gotten done without people around me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, like everything that I've done, and, and that's another thing that goes with the fitness thing. My fitness is me solely, 100%. No one, like, no one can influence that. Do you know what I'm saying? So, with the tattooing thing, that's like, you know, there's a lot of influences with that as far as like, well, yeah, I did get published in, in Inked Magazine which is fucking awesome. One of the coolest things that happened, but it was because like, I knew this dude and this dude gave him my work and then it worked out. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's like, there's definitely some big things like that. I mean, I don't know, man. Most of my biggest times in my life has been, or in my tattooing career, has been meeting the people I've gotten to meet that I look up to so much. And, Mm -hmm. and 
them becoming friends with me. I'd say one of my main things and in that in stand out to me is, is becoming friends with DJ Betts because when I first started, that was like my fucking idol. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy shit, you know, like my first solo month in Massachusetts, the Paradise, Paradise Gathering, I'm like, holy shit, man, it's DJ Betts, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, now we're friends and we text each other regularly. We hang out, you know, we like draw together. And, and I mean, really, that's one of the biggest things in my career is just getting to meet the people I've gotten to meet. You know, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. Have you had any starstruck moments where before you become friends with these folks or, or before you're actually been able to hang out for a while, you're first meeting them. Did you have any of those butterfly moments? I mean, just, you know, that time with BJ for sure. And then like, um, I mean, I still get it all the time because the further I'm getting into this, the more opportunities are opening up to meet these people. You know, I was just at a, uh, I was at the London Tattoo Convention first time I'd ever went there I went there just to go to the show I did not have a booth there um but I was going to guest spot at Love Hate which is owned by Ami James um and you know whether you like this show or not the dude's an awesome tattooer man the dude's been killing it for a really long time um and uh you know he had actually reached out to me and was like yo would you come guest spot while you're out here and I was like yeah fuck dude that's crazy you know I can remember watching you guys like on tv when I wasn't even thinking about being a tattooer you know and uh that was a big one because I went out there, he ended up, um, someone dropped out of the booth and he's like, yo, come work the show. So I got to work the London show this past time in Love Hates booth next to Ami and, and, and Darren and all these good dudes. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, that was, that was kind of mind blowing because I had never seen such a thing, man. I don't know if you've ever been to the London show before, but it's just like every like tattoo myth, tattooer, like legend myth, people that you don't feel like really exist, you know? they're there and they're tattooing and you walk around and you're going, holy shit, man. You know what I mean? Like that's mm. fucking she gay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> holy shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I like that London show this past time put me like in a spot, you know, like it really put where I, where I'm at into a perspective, you know, which was good. Cause not that I felt like I'm the shit, but I, in my career, I'm going, all right, man, what the fuck's next? You know what I mean? Like I've already done all this stuff that I want to do. What's next. Well, going there really, put me into perspective where it's like, holy shit, man, I've not even reached to, to fucking not even touch the iceberg yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What do you want? What do you want to do to these guys? That, man, I don't, dude, it's still unclear. I'm still working it out, man. I just want to have, I want to grow myself into having the respect that these guys have, you know, in the mm-hmm. tattoo industry and, and longevity, man, is, is a huge thing, you know? I mean, I don't want to be like an overnight, like, boy band type of success, you know? I want to be able to still have clientele and still be putting out good tattoos, you know, 20 years, you know, into my career, you know? So really, that's 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 it for me. And, and me and BJ Betts, and um, I've talked a little bit about it with, like, Dan Smith and Todd Noble and, and those guys. And, and, you know, these guys have been doing it. They've been doing it for a long time, and they're doing it really well in there. Um, I really just want to, I really want to plant my ass in a shop and, and, and build an actual home clientele and, and, and work on just like a, like some sort of real, like solid foundation to, to, to do for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So not that I don't, don't want to quit working shows 100%. I always want to do shows, but the 45, 46 shows a year is, is definitely getting old to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would like to go out and do maybe 15 to 20 of like my favorite ones 
and then actually spend some time like in a shop at home and actually build a clientele and, and work on some large shit, man. I want to do like some fucking full back pieces and stuff like that, you know, of lettering. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's, no one's even seen that. You know what I mean? It's not even a thing, you know, but I want to do that, you know, and, and I'm not going to do that without having consistency of being at home. So, um, really that's for me, that's what I want to move towards. Yeah. You, you know, you, you have good things to say about the friends and the people that you've surrounded yourself with. How did the connection with Sullen start for you? You know, last year you worked, um, in the, in the coalition booth at, at, um, the magic show in Vegas. You know, how did those, how did that opportunity and how did that friendship evolve? Man, I reached out to Sullen probably like a year into tattooing. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I started sending them emails like with my drawings, like I want to do stuff with you guys. I want to do stuff with you guys because the guys I looked up to all did stuff with them. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so that's really what I wanted. So I really pursued that, you know, that was a big deal for me. And I told them that, and I, you know, I've told everyone around me knew that like when I started tattooing, that was one of my goals was to be able to meet those guys and work with them, you know, which is kind of crazy, but I don't know why it just was like, to me, they were killing the lettering thing. They had all the good lettering guys, you know? So I was like, I wanted to be one of those guys with them. You know what I mean? So um, I don't remember exactly how we first met, but I know that, you know, I, I met him at a show and I, and I just talked to him. We kind of hit it off. And, and, um, I, I really think those dudes have good intentions. You know, I don't think that they're just trying to make a quick dollar from the tattoo industry. I don't think that they're, um, that they have bad intentions with that. I think they really love the industry and what they do. And, and I have, I have, you know, I want to surround myself with people like that, you know? So, um, I always pursue anything that they want to work with me on. Mm-hmm. How was that? How was it working that magic show? That was, uh, talk about that. Cause that wasn't a tattoo convention, but they had a booth set up with you and Rich Pineda and Carlos Torres and a bunch of, of Roman, I think, and Nico. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was insane for me, man. These dudes, you know, he, he texts me and was like, Hey, do you want to work, uh, the magic show with us? And I was like, well, dude, yeah, that'd be awesome. He's like, yeah, man, it's going to be really cool. I'll let you know what we're doing. And like a few weeks later, I get a text message and it's a list of who's working in the booth. And I'm like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. You know, it was like, like you said, Rich Pineda and Nico. And dude, it was like retarded. I was like sitting there going, what? Like, I get to work in a booth with these dudes? Like, it was mind blowing to me, man. I like texted every one of my friends like, oh my God, look at this list of dudes I get to work next to. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was crazy. And I can remember going in there and my first day, like coming down, setting up on the floor and, and watching each dude come up and start setting up. And I'm going, like, I really felt a sense of accomplishment at that point. You know, I'm like, holy shit, man. These are guys that I really look up to. And now I'm tattooing next to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's huge. That's awesome, man. That's, it's a great, it's great to see you killing it, dude. It's, it's wonderful to see somebody that is so disciplined and, has that strong work ethic, has essentially taken their career into their own hands and and made it work, man. It's it's really cool and and I really appreciate you coming on, man, and talking to me about, you know, everything from, you know, graffiti to your to working out to, you know, all this stuff. It's it's amazing talking to you, man. I think you do have a long career ahead of you. And um, you know, before we go, let me I, I've been asking people, um, 
this question and I, and, and I want to get your take on it. Do you consider, would you consider yourself, do you make a distinction between you being a tattoo artist or an artist? You know, just in general, has it, has it gotten to the point with your art where, um, or do you think it ever will, where you will, um, well, would you consider yourself a tattoo artist or just an artist? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's crazy you say this because I have this talk with people sometimes and they ask me about the, the lettering thing. They're like, so you just do lettering. Like, that's crazy, you know? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I have like an insane love for tattooing and an insane respect for it. And I would never do anything with, you know, intentionally to like disrespect it or anything, you know? And when I say this, I hope it doesn't make me sound bad, but I, I consider myself like a lettering guy. I mean, if I wasn't tattooing right now, I would be, I'd be painting signs or I'd be just going, you know, I'd just be going hard as fucking train yards or something. I'd be doing lettering some way, somehow, 100% without a doubt. You know, mm. I really think I'm, I'm a lettering guy that is, that is tattooing. You know what I mean? Because I, dude, I try, I, I get asked by people all the time, like, why don't you do some other stuff? You can draw this traditional stuff. Good. Do this. And I try, but I just don't care about it. Like I care about doing lettering you know what i mean that's that's my love and my true passion that's mm -hmm. what i do i don't you know the roses and the skulls i don't I, it's cool and i want it on me and i love to look at everybody else's i don't have a desire for it to do it man it does not excite me and i don't believe in doing something that i'm not genuinely really excited about you know what i mean like that i don't really have a passion for because then you know am i really gonna push it am i really gonna do my best you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like for me i don't know i'm definitely a tattoo artist man you know, but I, I don't know. It's such a hard, it's such a hard thing because I, I want to be part of that. But I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm a lettering artist. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I would be. And, and tattooing is my medium, you yeah. know, that I found, which I, cl I clicked the most with and that I, that I, um, that I've pursued, you know? Absolutely. Do you have a favorite letter? Um, S, which is another reason why Solon worked out so good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think I think S is one of the, such such one of the funnest letters to draw. I can draw it three hundred different ways. You know what I mean, like on the fly, and and it's just um, yeah, it's just it's just a fun letter, man. Yeah. Do you look at guys? Shit, man. I'm just gonna keep asking questions because this is this is fun to me. Do you look at guys like BJ Betts who they have that longevity in tattooing? They've also, you know, exposed themselves to big corporate type work, you know, graphic design work and, and design work. Um, is that something that you, that you want to pursue in, in the future is more of that kind of stuff? Or do you find, you know, influence or inspiration from those guys doing that? Dude, I'd absolutely love to. I mean, I, I would, would love to, I would do, you know, I think it would be awesome. I just honestly, personally have no idea how to even get going with that. And on top of that, I, I, I still haven't put that time in tattooing that I think that those guys have yet. You know what I mean? So I'm still really trying to get my tattooing where I want it to be at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do get a lot of like a lot of shops and a lot of like smaller clothing brands reaching out to me, asking me to do logos for them and stuff. And I, I almost a hundred percent like don't do them. It's not because like the size of their company or anything. It's just that, man, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just focused on tattooing right now. Once I feel like, you know, I hope I don't ever feel content, but once I feel like I've gotten myself to a certain point, I think that the other things would be something I would definitely start reaching out and, and seeing, seeing what's out there, you know what I mean, opportunity-wise. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, thank you again. Uh, I appreciate it, dude. And where can somebody get a hold of you if they're going to get tattooed or wanted to check your schedule and see if you're going to be coming close to them in a city near them? Where would they uh, do that? Yeah, man, I do everything um, through my website. Um, if you go to the website, it's just uh, Um and like my uh, list of shows are on there. Uh, my, like a, a contact form to fill out for emails is on there. Um, everything. So that's generally the best way, man. Everything I book is comes through email. So right on the best way to get tattooed by you probably is uh book a back piece. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bigger stuff. Bigger stuff always takes priority for me, man. <laughs> right on, man. Well, thank you so much, dude. I, I really appreciate your time. And, um, it's been a fun talk for me. Thank you man thank you very much i appreciate it well that is a disciplined dude thank you to big me's for coming on the show please check him out at bigmees.com remember to keep an eye on sullen clothing for your favorite sullen artist shirt to drop there's tons of new stuff going on all the time at sullenclothing.com if you'd like to keep up with me in the show please check out sullenradio.com there you can get updated guest info you can donate to the show and support tattoos care cancer also at SullenRadio.com, you can listen to all the old episodes and even get involved with the show by submitting questions for future guests. Get involved and support the story at SullenRadio.com, home of the premier art-driven podcast. Thanks for listening and keep hustling.